You are tuned to Nerd Noise Radio, channel two. All right, click it in. Three, two, one. Thank you for joining us, dear listeners. You are tuned to Nerd Noise Radio Channel 2, a Nerd Noise Game Club. Today's broadcast is C2R2 for Wayback Wednesday, December 14th, 2022. Today 
is our look back on everything that happened on Channel 2 in Season 2, Calendar 2022. And as always, I'm joined by Hugh. Hugh, how's it going this morning? Ah, uh, pretty good. How are you? Well, we're getting <laughs> we're getting a, a, a over an hour late start because tech tech is just a, has just been a mess this morning. Yes, and then I so, decided to go do some home repairs while that delayed us even more. So that was good. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Um, <clears throat> well, so so listeners, we're gonna since we're getting an hour late start, we're going to try to rush this a little bit. So apologies if our conversation isn't quite as robust as usual. Hugh, what have you been up to since October? Um, so just the other day, I got one of these analog pockets. Actually, Zach, from who does uh, all the social media and, and a lot of other behind-the-scenes stuff for, uh, for the Game Club podcast, um, was able to buy two of them when they were released. I'm not sure if you know, but the way they like... The way that you purchase an analog um, system is, I, I understand the same way you buy Taylor Swift tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some some queue and you fight other people online. And if you're lucky, you might get one. Okay. Uh, and because of like, because they're based in the UK, like they launched these things at weird times. And he was at, he luckily was able to get on at a time when they were doing a release of, of console sales. Um, so I appreciate him picking up for me. I've been playing it a little bit. Mostly I've been playing... Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Fall of the Foot Clan. Uh, One of the most basic, simple, relaxing games you could play. Maybe the easiest game ever made, or or certainly one of them. Um, But yeah, I got uh, quite a few like uh, Game Boy Advance um, RPGs in my backlog that I want to play through, and um, eventually I'll be getting a Game Gear adapter for it so I can finally play... I have a lot of Game Gear games. I mean, a lot. And um, my Game Gear screen is basically dead. So... It's going to give me a chance to really explore the, the system that I, I never played. Okay. Uh, I understand now, you might be exploring a mobile system soon, too. Yeah. Yes, I will. Um, so this is the second payday in a row where we've had we've made an unplanned, unscripted, and therefore unbudgeted impromptu retro gaming purchase on eBay. We um, Last payday, I bought yet another Sega Genesis. This is my fifth Sega Genesis. Uh, and it's because I had, I knew, okay, I knew that there were good audio model ones, there were bad audio model ones, and then there were also good audio model ones and twos. I had uh, two good audio model ones, a bad audio one of each, and then that's what I had. And I knew academically that there was a difference in sound quality between a good Model 1 and a good Model 2. And I knew the Model 1 was the gold standard, so I, I guess I never really pursued it. But uh, I, I stumbled upon this video comparing a VA6 Model 1, which is one of the good audio ones, and it's the same kind I have, and then a VA3 Model 2. And my goodness, I actually like the sound of that VA3 Model 2 better than the Model 1. And so I hit the eBay and immediately snatched one. Now, I know that some people will say that the VA 2.X Model 2 is the really good Model 2 because it it has a discrete YM2612 rather than this A6 thing. But um, everything I read about it just sounds terrible. Like all the balancing is off, you know, FM is like super duper loud and PSG is like almost non-existent and just stuff like that. So uh, one of the, 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 the thing that was the tiebreaker for me on the, liking this Model 2 audio better was that everything was balanced. You know, like the Model 1, certain FM voices would just jump out at you in this super jarring, uh, unpleasant way. And then the PSG was almost buried. But on the Model 2, everything is more balanced. And so that was the tiebreaker. The problem is 
uh, the Model 1 has much better video. And so... And so overall, I still favor the Model 1 because I think like the video, the difference in the video is uh, far more dramatic than the difference in the audio, which is... It's funny, the reason I bought it was outclassed by a totally different reason. But, And then, yeah, this payday, as Hugh alluded to, I am going to get to explore a new, mobile, a new uh, handheld gaming platform. Uh, barring some catastrophe in shipping, within the next week or so, for the first time in my life, I will be an Atari Lynx owner. So you have experience with the Atari Lynx. Yeah, I, I have an Atari Lynx that I, I got for $5 in uh, 2008, I believe. Yes. And uh, that's not the, that one, the screen is still pretty good. So that, that one I can actually play, but it's such a drain on batteries that it's effectively not a mobile system. Uh, <laughs> luckily, the, the one I bought included the Power Brick, which has, I mean, I don't know if I'm exaggerating, let's say a 32-foot-long cable. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you remember the 2600 had the really long power cable? This is like 2600-length mm-hmm. power cable. Okay. Um, I guess but- they must have known that you know, people were mostly going to be playing it on the couch and needed a long power cable, I guess. Probably. Now, do, is yours a Model 1 or a Model 2? Um, 2? You think I would know this off the top of my head? It's the smaller one. The smaller one with the big black glossy bezel around the screen? Yeah, well, I could pull it out. It's in a drawer here. I have to dig it out. Well, um, no, that's okay. But if it's the, yeah, that's the Model 2. And that's the one I got. I got a Model 2. Yeah, I guess the more common one because it was cheaper. So more people bought it. Mm-hmm. Even though mm-hmm. it kind of came out after the system was in decline, but again, it was like $99 versus, I forget what the original price was, it was like $249 or something. So it was something, don't quote me on the $249. The Model 2 was like a lot cheaper than the original, so a lot of people just picked it up because it wasn't a bad deal anymore. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's a, it's a system where like the games look really, really good. Um, some of them are a little slow, like Ninja Gaiden on it, I remember being kind of hard to play. Um, Miss Pac-Man is kind of interesting. It's actually a pretty good version overall. Um, but yeah, I'm, the other reason I got this analog is eventually there'll be an adapter for Lynx, and I think it'll be a lot easier to play. I think I have 10 or 11 Lynx games. It'll be a lot easier to play on the on the analog. But the other thing about the Lynx is it has a very, very active homebrew scene. And if you go to like any gaming convention, there's almost always someone selling homebrew Lynx games. And there's some really good quality stuff. People have, have done like... Someone did like a, a dungeon crawler, like Eye of the Beholder style RPG. I've drawn a blank on the name. Um, but they've done some really good stuff that you just couldn't get on the original system. I mean, there weren't RPGs on the original Lynx, and now people are developing stuff like that. That's cool. That's cool. I'm really excited. I'm re- I mean, I don't... I'm going to use it a lot for the first day or two, and then who knows how much or how little I'll use it after that. But I just, the Lynx is something I've always wanted. And, you know, now, like I said, barring barring some catastrophe in shipping, I will I will have one. So I did have to dip into savings a little bit for this, though, because this, like I said, this is the second time in a row I did something unplanned. I was very money unwise this time. Uh, let's see. So that's there's that. What else? I have this terrible feeling that I'm forgetting something. I know for a fact I'm forgetting something. But let's move on. If I remember it, we'll come back. Um, so the format of today's episode is going to be really weird. Now, if you if you have if you heard C2R1, and, and again, I'm using we're using very non-standard numbering here. This is C2R2, Channel 2, Retrospective 2. Because uh, I thought if we made this 
if we when we did the first one c2r1 if i, I thought if we made that c2r6 then we'd get into like c2 um, c2e12 and it just get this really messy confusing set of numbers so i just figured i'd do something different for the retrospectives um so the format we're going to take a a double trip through history um we're using we're using this track is our wild we have we each have one wild card one to open the episode one to close the episode my i got the the opening wild card this is nice day from spin dizzy 2 on the sharp six x68000 composed by toshia yamanaka and or tetsuya nakano and it originally appeared on c2e7 all night super kawaii dance party which originally released on uh April 28th and I was the one that chose this in the original episode so what we're, we have this wild card to bring us in we'll have a wild card to bring us out and then in the main body of the episode in between it's a it's two trips through history uh, first will be best of st. John so we'll each pick a track from each episode that I originally picked and then we'll go through history a second time uh, where we'll each pick a track from each episode that he originally picked <clears throat> so um, I guess let's go ahead and, and get started with my half of the show. The first episode that we did in 2022 was C2E6. It was called Fast Music for Slow Times, which all Heart Space fans listening should hopefully appreciate. And it was a focus, even though we're not big on hard rock and heavy metal music, we figured it's such an important subject, we did a focus on hard and heavy and heavy adjacent music to kick off the year. <clears throat> so... Our first track will be one that was originally selected by me, but was selected for this retrospective by Hugh. Hugh, why don't you tell us what we're going to be hearing? Uh, Quad Machine from Quake 2. Um, I, I, I just thought this was a fun track. I mean, fun in sort of a heavy way. And uh, this is a very old backlog game for me. Okay. I have not played Quake 2. Very ashamed to admit that. And I probably own three different versions. <laughs> okay. Um... Well, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and check it out. We'll be right back. 
Alright, Quad Machine from Quake 2, Sonic Mayhem, which also would be a good name for the song itself. Oh, totally. Yeah. Now, they were, um, quote, I, I hate to use the term real band or real musician because these VGM composers, of course, are absolutely real musicians. But in when I, they had a presence outside of VGM, didn't they? They were a quote-unquote non-VGM band, right? Correct. They're like a, a German uh, band. Okay. Uh, I guess maybe I don't, because they're German, I want to compare them to KMFDM, but I don't think it's really fair. Um, but yeah, they've done a, done a ton of uh, soundtracks and another. Again, when I say real music, I mean like you were signed to a record company, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Not not that game music isn't real. That, that's just the way I, the term I've, I've chosen to use. Okay. Well, we'll make sure we qualify it whenever we use it. Um, so um, now I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, now, well, okay. First, listeners, the way we did this to make this more fair is. I got to go first in making track picks from Hugh's tracks, and Hugh got to go first in making picks from my tracks. So inevitably, there's always the possibility that Hugh might have picked one of the tracks I would have picked, and vice versa. Uh, did I pick any tracks that you would have picked? Um, don't say what the... I, well, you know what? Actually, I'm sorry. Um, if we When we get to that track, just say yes or no for now, and when we get to that track, tell me if it's one of them. Okay, I think I followed that. Um... Yeah, I think so. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, because this is this is definitely the track, absolutely the track I would have picked for myself for this episode if you hadn't done it. This is okay. Yeah, this is of all the heavy tracks, this is my favorite that we featured. It just has that great late '90s sound. It does, yeah. And if, if you enjoy the composer, I mean, I'm just looking at the list of, of things they've worked on. There's there's an awful lot. I mean, Unreal and Quake Three Arena and. Splinter some Splinter Cell games and okay, you know a lot of sort of mid, um, I say mid century like you know two thousands to even as recently as Tom Clancy's The Division Two Season Nine. I don't know what that means. It's just gibberish to me. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, I'll have to look up their body of work. Um, now, did they do anything outside of video game, or is everything we're finding video game stuff? Um, there are. Some albums, I mean, I see some some albums listed okay. there too. So. Okay. Oh, they're on, oh, I didn't realize this. They have done some stuff for Overclocked Remix also. Oh, interesting. Oh, never mind. It's just they are listed as composer on some remixes. I was hoping they did the remix. Someone remixed them. Someone remixed them, yeah. Oops. It would be, you know, it'd be interesting to see on uh, over OC Remix would be like this track redone in Mario Paint. Yeah, I don't think they would count that. Um, oh, okay. they, they have really weird, like, their, their judging criteria is kind of strict, and I don't know if you, if you know this, but in the past they pulled a number of songs because they decided it doesn't meet their current standards. Okay. So, like, a Mario Paint song would definitely... Like, if you did, like, part of the track in there, like, maybe they'd accept it, but just a straight-up Mario Paint port they wouldn't do. Okay. So, someone created a GitHub. I don't know why they chose GitHub. Uh, a GitHub repository called OC Removed, which is all the songs that have been removed. Okay. Over the years. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, you would think that that would be better served on something like Archive rather than GitHub, but um, I don't know. What to, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I tell you, I, I know what to tell the listeners. Um, our next track. This is the one that was originally picked 
this was picked by me for this episode, uh, is uh, Run Through the Speed Highway from Sonic Adventure on the Dreamcast, and it's composed by either or any or all of Jun Senoue, Kenichi Tokoi, and or Fumie Kumitani. So let's go ahead and give that a listen. Okay, and that is Run Through the Speed Highway from Sonic Adventure on the Dreamcast. I guess it's made it to other systems since, but I always think of it as a... It was originally a Dreamcast game. Um, so, I, we talked about these tracks in the original episode, so I don't want to repeat too much of that conversation. But the thing that I think is worth repeating um, about this track for me is when it first brings in that bass, it's almost, it's almost the same as the bass from um, the past theme from Metallic Madness Zone in Sonic CD. It's uh, so that always makes me think of that. I, I just love that tie back to another Sonic game. Do you have anything you, fun that you want to say about this track or about this game or anything connected to this? Oh, this is gonna be bad because I barely played Sonic Adventure. This is like Sonic Adventure to me is like the perfect example of a game where the sampler version is fine for me. You oh know, like yeah. You, like if you have a Dreamcast demo disc collection, I'm sure mm-hmm. everyone has a bunch of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's as much of Sonic Adventure as I can play. Okay. Like, yeah, it, it's like, oh yeah, that's kind of cool for a little bit, you know, fun, but I, I wouldn't want to play like a four-hour game like this. Yeah, the the problem with it, and I, I know he said this in the original episode, is going to 3D, I feel like it kind of gutted the mechanics of the game. You know, you basically push the forward button and then jump and then jump again to auto-aim at the bad guy and then, you know, that's basically the game anymore, right? So... yeah. And now I know there are people who swear by the modern Sonic games, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to disagree with them. I mean, everyone should like what they like, right? But, but um, for me, it just Sonic Adventure was the last Sonic game I played all the way through. 
Now, there is that new Sonic Frontiers. It's like an open world game, apparently, which I guess I would be kind of curious to see what that's all about. But um, Yeah, I, I just read a review that it's not actually very open. Okay. That it looks open, but is not really open. Okay. I think they said the same thing about Pokemon Arceus, or however you pronounce that. Yeah. I, yeah. I've seen my kid play that. It looks fairly open. Okay. It's not like Breath of the Wild, but it looks like you certainly can like explore a little bit. But. Okay. Okay. Um, well, I think... I think if there's nothing else you would want to say about this this franchise or game or episode, I think we can move on to the next episode. Yes, yes, a very relaxing right. episode. It was it was uh, it was a very fun episode. Yes, yeah. uh, it was C two E seven All Night Super Kawaii Dance Party, which was the first episode Hugh ever named, and it released on April twenty eighth, twenty twenty two, and it was just you know fun, dancey, cutesy music, right? It was. Uh, yeah. It was a lot of it was very saccharine. So yeah, it was less. I I kind of thought we would end up with more up tempo songs for that episode, but it's more. Yeah, like you're in a, a very sugary store kind of mm-hmm. feel to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why I say it's it's a relaxing episode. You know, like it, it's a it's a chill out kind of episode. Yeah, I almost kind of picture like stuffed animals dancing on a dance yeah. floor. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let's dig into it. And um, what is your track from it? From what is your your track from it? Uh, so I picked uh, "Lovely City, Lovely Planet" by Callum Bowen. Oh, 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 
Alright, Lovely City, Lovely Planet. Never played this game. Um, we featured a couple songs from this franchise, right? Well, it's funny you mention that because my track, and this is, okay, this is a bit of a spoiler, but my track is from the same franchise. So, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah different composers, and it, it's weird, but um, you had different composers with similar similar feels. And yeah, this is just a, a nice kind of background song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I immediately fell in love with this game because of the aesthetic, and the the, the biggest part of that aesthetic is the music, right? So, um, yeah, so uh, you really need to play this game. It's like it's like five bucks on Steam, and it'll okay. run on it'll run on a laptop. It's uh, it's just a cute, joyous, fun game. Um. Yeah. The, so the franchise has, I want to say, six games. Um, and between the six, there were two different composers. I think Kalen Bowen composed more games than Satsuma Audio did, but Satsuma Audio was the other composer, and they were the composer behind my track, which is again also from the Lovely Planet franchise. Which is which is interesting because Hugh's track is from the very first game in the series. My game, my track is from the very most re- very most recent game in the series, Lovely Planet Remix. So it is called Crystal Breeze Springs and let's get right into it. Okay, and that's Crystal Breeze Springs from Lovely Planet Remix. Uh, you know, one thing that was funny about this episode is, oh, actually, this track was the track that inspired the episode. I think, I think, pretty much every episode we've done was inspired by one track from one of us or the other, probably. 
Yeah, I think so. It's usually like when, when I'm picking an episode, I usually, except for Sega CD, that was maybe the, the exception. But mm -hmm. I usually picture us, uh, I have a song in mind that I want to want to cover, and then we come up with three or four themes that could, you know, apply to that song. Yeah. Yep. So, um, what happened is we had just finished recording our recording session for Fast Music for Slow Times, and I had been downloading Lovely Planet Remix in the background while we were recording, and then, and then when um, when we hung up, I started playing, and just totally fell in love with this music. Totally fell in love with. I mean, the aesthetic is basically the same as all the other Lovely Planet games, but this music, you know, it's like, oh my god, we're on to something great here. And so, we already had the idea. I already had this in mind for the next episode before we even got to really producing the previous episode. And um, another fun thing is, you know, heavy metal music, hard rock, heavy metal music. There's this stereotype. I don't think it. I don't think it's fitting. But the stereotype that it hurts your ears, right? You know that it's ear mm -hmm. abuse. And and so we opened C2E7 with, if the previous episode hurt your ears, today's episode will hurt your teeth. <laughs> Because everything is so sweet and sugary and, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No, I love this track. I, I, uh, if it if it didn't make this episode, it definitely would have made the uh, the best of twenty twenty two on channel one for sure. This would not have not been re redone for sure, uh, refeatured for sure. Our next episode was really interesting. Um, we were part of we were part of this great big collaboration with the video game music podcast scene at large. There was like twenty or thirty different podcasts that ended up participating in this thing, and um, the idea was born from if you were going to have a VGM Mount Rushmore, what four composers would be your face on Mount Rushmore? But then people were like, "Well, there's some cultural baggage tied or attached to the whole Mount Rushmore thing, so let's call it something else." And they ended up with Masters of VGM. It was in the same font as Masters of the Universe, so it was kind of a play on that. Um, and Hugh and I ended up participating in that. Uh, our middle episode of the year, Channel 2 Episode 8, was called Our Four Favorites. And um, so, yeah, we each picked four. And now I was so indecisive, so non-committal. I'm, I, I have to be some kind. I mean, it's not official till it's official until I'm officially diagnosed, but. I'm, I have to be some kind of neurodivergent, whether that be ADHD, whether that be autistic, whether that be both. I could be both. God, I could be both. Um, but I just could not. I mean, there are so many Japanese composers that I love that I couldn't, I couldn't even approach the, the, the concept of picking four of them. So I fell back on Western composers. I ended up picking four Western composers, which was easier for me because there was a smaller pool of Western composers that I thought would be real viable candidates for that. So we ended up having this kind of East versus West thing. Every composer he brought was Japanese and every composer I brought was Western. Um, and speaking of composers that I brought, who was your pick from, from my half of this episode? Uh, well, I picked uh, The Red Woods from Pugsy by Matt Furness. This is for me an example of soundtrack better than the game. I don't, I, mm -hmm. Pugsy's not a bad game but, but, at all, but uh, definitely the soundtrack, I think is the strongest part of this game. Yeah, I, I agree. Yep. Well, let's go ahead and check it out.
But it is the Red Woods Pugsy. Yeah, it sort of reminds me that I tend to pick... This is an exception to the kind of things I usually pick. I, I usually pick things from, um, you know, Red Book, from like, you know, not, not, not like chip or, you know, sound chip soundtracks. I typically don't pick a ton of. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, this is a really impressive one. I think this makes uh, pretty good use of the, of the Genesis hardware. Yeah, I love those bell sounds. I, the, you know, the 80s Yamaha DX7. Uh, yeah, I just love that. I love that sound. I, of course, the Y twenty six twelve is less sophisticated than a DX seven, but they're both the same. They're both the same underpinnings, you know. So of course, there's going to be some similarities between them. Um, yeah, gosh, I either I either need to stop talking about this track right now, or I need to say a whole <laughs> bunch of stuff about. It. So I'm going to do the former uh, because you know I don't think there's much I could say without just repeating what we said in the previous episode. So. Um, so for my pick for this episode, it was a my this, this was just this was easily the most difficult choice for me in the entire in, in this entire episode was which one do I want from C two E or C two E eight because you know it could have oh gosh it I could think of at least five tracks that would have been viable candidates and at least three or four that would have been really really strong candidates the tiebreaker for me was only one of them ever made me cry. <laughs> and so I went for the one that actually brought me to tears. And that is Undis Undiscovered Realm from ActRaiser Renaissance on multiple platforms, composed by Yuzo Koshiro.
Okay, and that's Undiscovered Realm from Actraiser Renaissance uh, on multiple platforms. And you you said during the break that you don't think you've ever played this. I, I definitely have not now that I look at it. But yeah, it's a city building game, so it would probably be a hard sell for me. Have you not played the original Actraiser? Only a little bit. Only a little bit. And it's the same thing. I'm not big into, like... Like, I've played pop- Populous is as far as I'm willing to go in this genre, and I realize it's not exactly the same genre. Okay. Um, never been huge. Like, I tried some City 2000. Um, I know this is obviously a lot simpler, you know, in that you aren't, like, figuring out where to put sewage pipes or, you know, that level <laughs> of minutia. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just never been huge into into building games. I don't, I don't know why. Um, I guess everyone has, has their thing, and, and building has not ever really appealed to me. And, and Populous is more about destroying than building, really. I suppose. Well, you know that ActRaiser, though, the building part, the city building part is only half the game. You know, there's also an action platformer half. There's, there's an action platformer. Yeah, I know. I know. It's like, um, uh, what, was, what was the game? Uh, Soul Blazer. It's sort of like that a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Soul Blazer it, is not side. It's a different style of action. And the city building is really just the city happens to grow as you do things. Okay. So it's not exactly the same, but that's the closest analogy that, that came to mind. Okay. All right. Well, um, I don't know. I don't know. I think you, if you, especially if you already have the SNES actors or game lying around, give it an air try. The thing is, though, the, um, the, this remake, this remake, uh, I don't know. I, this, if you don't like the city building aspect, maybe this wouldn't be for you because they actually the the dynamic of action platformer city builder action platformer city builder is the same in the remake as it is in the original. But they real where they put most of their innovations is in the city building. It's like it's like um, the action platformer almost looks like a Sega Saturn game up res to to 1080p, <laughs> okay. and then and then. Um, and then the, they put all their innovations into the city building, basically. So now you have side stories and stuff like that going on. So um, it makes for a more a more deep game. But if your problems with the city building side, then it, yeah, it probably wouldn't be up your alley. Try the SNES one if you like it. Then maybe give it a try if you find it on the cheap. Otherwise, I I own it. I, I have the Super Nintendo version. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. But the it, try play the Super Nintendo version, and if you like that. Oh, then I if see. you could find Renaissance on the cheap, like super discounted or whatever, go ahead and pick it up. Would be my advice. Yes. Um, is well, is Actraiser on the Super Nintendo, uh, the whatever the Switch Super Nintendo service? I gotta look there. That would be the easiest. If it's on there, that would be the easiest way to play it. I'd have to look again. I don't think so, but I, I maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Um, I know I hate to say I hate to say this because it makes me sound so fanboy, but I have hardly touched my Switch since getting my Steam Deck. So, um, I don't remember. Gosh, I don't remember. Yeah. Well, so for our next episode, our next episode brings us to a place brings us to a place that we probably all wish we were back at right now. You know, with it. I think it's like 20 degrees out right now. There's a little bit of snow on the ground. It's really cold and, and windy. It, it actually does kind of make me long for a desert. <laughs> yeah. it's, it, it, we're only like two weeks into this, you know. Oh, and, I know. Uh, we're recording like at the time 
to give you an idea, this is like the, the one of the top news stories is how they got like four feet of snow in Buffalo or something. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like was it literally four inches. feet of snow? I, I feel like that's a number I made up, but I think that's actually the number. I heard, well, I think I, I, I want to say I remember hearing 77 inches, which off the top of my head puts it pretty close to about four feet, doesn't it? Y- yeah. Wait, no, no. 77 I, inches is like over five feet. Yeah, that's right. 77, wait. 12, okay. okay, remainder, carry the... Uh, yeah, okay, that's a lot, sure. Yeah, okay, well, that's very significant. I I think the most snow I've ever seen in my life uh, living in Des Moines is like 18 inches. I think that's the biggest we've ever got. Yeah, that's all the biggest we've had out, out here, too. Yeah. Well, don't you, you... I would. Okay, that surprises me. I figured in Chicago you'd get lake effect snow. No, lake's on the other side of the city, though. Uh, yeah, I guess it doesn't go back. It would have to blow back in. Like, you yeah. have to... Every now and then, there's some weird thing where it like doubles back. But I mean, I we don't really have lake effect. I feel like people use that term, but it's not it's not like what they get in Buffalo. Sure. Okay. Okay. Yikes. Well, um, yeah. So we're recording on November twentieth, uh, and the snowstorm hit yesterday, November nineteenth. So our thoughts and well wishes to the people of Buffalo. I mean, you know, it's bad when they play the Buffalo. Uh, football game in detroit when detroit's not playing like detroit's like hosting the buffalo game this this week yeah yeah but no one's gonna miss uh, detroit not playing all right um all right because detroit (laughs) plays on thanksgiving right so that's why they're not playing this weekend yeah 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 um maybe they are playing this weekend they're playing somewhere else i don't know yeah all right so the desert episode yes um you know the one i picked is actually one of my favorite tracks in the entire year Okay. Uh, level three from Tetris on CDI. This is just such a hypnotic song. The composer's Jim Andron.
right, Tetris on CDI. Um, a game virtually no one played, I'm sure. I have a CDI, but I don't have Tetris. And yeah, this is just, like I said, it was hypnotic. This is the kind of thing I could imagine you going into like a spa and it's playing in the background. You know, mm -hmm. trying to get you into a, a relaxed state. Yeah, no, I, I, I love this track and I love this game. And I am, take, I am looking into my next room and looking at the 36-inch tube TV upright Blackwood console that I played this game on in the 90s over at Chris and Steve's house. Um, I had said that it was a, a, a novel presentation of Tetris, and it sort of is, but uh, Sega Tetris did something a little similar to it. You know, kind of you have this slab surface that you're playing the game on, and then there's some kind of fancy background, you know, some scene in the background. So I, I guess Sega beat Phillips to the to market on this, but I will say, <clears throat> I will say that it would it, it wouldn't be until Tetris Effect Connected came out a few years ago that there would be a Tetris game that I liked better than CDI Tetris. Like this is still second place for me in the Tetris verse. I just it's it's got so much so many so, much, so many memories for me, so much magic for me. Yeah, you know. I, I almost feel it's weird to say that Tetris is the must-have app if you're going to get a CDI, but Tetris and the in the terrible Zelda games are really must-haves if you're going to get a CDI. So, um, I do love this track, and I'm really, you know, it's weird. It's weird to feel honored that you would say that this is one of your favorite tracks of the entire year. It's I didn't write this track; I just picked yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's just it, it's such, such a uh, a weird one because I would never think to look at the soundtrack for this. If you told me there was a Tetris CDI game, I would have assumed they would have just used some like, you know, Russian, you know, orchestral music, you know, someone, mm -hmm. some famous Russian composer, something like that, right? Mm -hmm. That they just would have phoned it in, got some public domain thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, no, they, I think, it's, I think this is pretty good. Yeah, I don't know if Jim Andron has done video game music otherwise, but. Um... He did a he did a hell of a job with this soundtrack. This whole soundtrack is amazing. Like this uh, is a, this. He has a SoundCloud account. I guess we could go check that out. Okay, yeah, let's do that real quick. I because I, as much as I love this track, this is actually not even my favorite sound or my favorite track from the game. Okay. Yeah, he's done a lot of soundtracks, kind of late '90s stuff. Okay. Quite a few CDI games. Um. But his work goes back to Commodore 64, but seems to have really picked up, you know, around 94, 95. And the last game he's credited on is like some of the Namco Museum, so it's at the back, you know, background music. You play those things. Um, the last thing he probably maybe composed is Bassmasters 2000 for Nintendo 64. Okay. Okay. Yeah, let me check some of these out in the future. Interesting. So he has the Tetris soundtrack on here, but now we get to find out what these tracks are actually called. We never knew that. Because I saw one that said Fondly Sarah. I'm like, that sounds interesting. And it actually is one of the tracks from CDI Tetris. Okay, Another Day is my favorite. Uh, that's level one. Oh, I'm, we're totally losing ourselves here. Uh, but I yeah, got which, now. Which we said we wouldn't do, yes. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, but we're so close here. We got to find out what the name of this track is now that we know that we can do so. Uh. Wait, where are you getting it's in the SoundCloud account or somewhere else? I'm I'm looking at the SoundCloud, yeah. Oh, okay, I didn't go to that yet. I was reading this like composer wiki thing. 
Soaring. This track is called Soaring. Okay. So I will try to remember to update the show notes with the proper name for this track. It is Soaring. So, okay, I'm going to save this tab so I can look at this, deep dive this later. Okay, all right, so that's enough deep diving for now. Um, we'll go to my track. And it's funny you mentioned that that this track is one of your favorites from the entire year because my track is one of my favorites from the entire year. We talked about this being, you know, in that in a theoretical world where I had to pick my top 50 pieces of EGM of all time. This track is somewhere between 1 and 50. It's somewhere on this list. And probably on the upper half would be my guess. Uh, it is The Burning Sands from Final Fantasy X on the PS2, composed by Masashi Hamausu. And that is the Burning Sands from Final Fantasy X. Yeah, it's so weird that that just this little neighborhood of our episode would be where we have some of our, both of us, would highlight as one of our favorite tracks of the whole year. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like for game soundtracks, like Desert and Winter Levels always seem to have the best music. They, they, they definitely have... Yeah, well, even if I weren't, even if I don't know if I could bring myself to say the best, they certainly have some of the most signature. They, you know, like their own signature hallmark sound. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah. 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 All right, on to the last of the episodes for the first yes, time. we are yes we are at the final episode of our first pass through history. And um, what track did you bring from this? Oh, I, I had to pick Jamie's theme from Snatcher because um, Snatcher's one of my favorite Sega CD games and one of my favorite Sega CD soundtracks. Okay. 
Okay. Well, let's let's dig in. Yeah, Jamie's theme kind of a, to me it's a sad track I don't know if, if people get the same vibe part of it is just the, the story with the character mm-hmm. uh, did you play have you played through Snancer no okay so I won't spoil anything but I'll just say like there, there's a there's just a lot of sadness around this character you did mention some of it in the Sega CD yeah. episode so I've got some yeah. of the basics um, yeah so that, that that's part of the reason why I like this track I, you know, I, I get that. I get that from this. I, um, I can get that feeling from this. Maybe it's, maybe it's, you put it in my head, but I definitely feel that. Now we didn't get to talk about this track last time because it was our closer track. It's what took us out. Um, but I do want to highlight my favorite piece of this track. It's coming right up. It's, um, this. The way it resolves out. It's so beautiful. God, that's beautiful. Yeah, there's um there's a really good Snatcher remix album called like Snatcher Zoom Tracks. Something I think that's the title. And, mm-hmm. and this has a good remix on there too. Um I don't know if there's a legal way to obtain that right now though. Mm. So anyway, like, I don't think that's it's not on spot. Like I don't I don't believe Konami has put their soundtracks on Spotify or any of the other services where you can legally stream music. Okay. So we'll have to do it under the cover of night. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. Well, so, um, yeah, I don't know what else to say about this track, except I really do want to play Snatcher someday. Uh, I have the TurboGrafx Mini, but the, the, the problem is Snatcher is in Japanese on the TurboGrafx Mini. So... I'm gonna to have to learn Japanese first. We've already talked about how how well that goes. Yeah, yeah. This this would not be an easy game to teach you Japanese. I don't think. Uh uh-uh. uh No. 
No, but maybe maybe if I ever get there, maybe if I ever get there someday, one of my holy grails will be to play Snatcher. But um, I think the odds are much better. I'll just buy the Sega CD version. <laughs> but no, not, any, not on eBay, you won't. No. Uh, well, because I imagine that I imagine that's probably what five hundred bucks. Uh, you're probably looking a little bit north of that right now. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've already done. I've already been way too bad. Uh, well, okay. As the king of all cosmos says in in uh, Katamari Damacy, we've been naughty, so very naughty, <laughs> with eBay recently. So I, I think I need to stay away from eBay for a little while. Um, my track from this episode, and what's really interesting, is well, no, Sorry, I'm not going to say that. I'm looking at snatcher prices on eBay right now. What, I'm trying, here, I, I'm going to find like a sold price, maybe. Okay, but what um, are you seeing? But I mean, I see one with this has 13 watchers. So people are obviously interested, and this is Snatcher Sealed, thirteen hundred dollars. Um, Snatcher Sega CD Authentic. This is not the real case, so it's a repro case. Five ninety nine or best offer. Um, this loose CD by itself, seven forty six. That's a weird price. Wow. Oh, it's Canadian, so it's converting from Canadian to American money. Um, even PAL versions are like hundreds and hundreds of dollars if i'm going to spend 1300 dollars on retro gaming on ebay i think i'm going to buy a laser active rather than snatcher yeah yeah or like the entire collection of some other system or like fm towns or something like that some you know something wacky like that but um yeah i guess uh i guess i'll just have to listen to the music on on a. I could probably just watch a long play get my kicks that way well what's the car- price chart yeah as you continue i'm gonna go look at the price charting site okay well so i'm gonna go ahead i guess we'll bring up the price charting on on the flip side here uh even yeah. though we'll have moved on because that has but, a- that has actual prices things have sold for okay okay well i'm gonna go ahead and bring in our next track but we will continue this conversation on the flip side um my f- final tr- the final track of the best of saint john for c2r2 is Westside Andre Cage Fight from Final Fight CD, obviously on the Sega CD. It's arranged by T's Music, but the range of the list of original composers is very long, so I'll just save it for the backside. Uh, let's go ahead and check it out.
Okay, and that's Westside Andre Cage Match Battle from Final Fight CD. I am going to list the composers. Uh, it, it's it's one, many, or all of the following. Uh, Harumi Fujita, Hiromitsu Takaoka, Junko Tamiya, Minami Matsume, Yasuaki Fujita, Yoko Shimomura, and or Yoshiro Sakaguchi. So that's basically, my goodness, that's basically like an all-star cast there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Really huge names. And according to pricecharting.com, complete copies of Final Fight CD are $195. Oh my goodness. I'm so, so my copy is just a loose CD. It's 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 an it's an actual CD. It's not a pirated CD, but it's just uh-huh. the CD. $43.16 for that. Okay. Well, I, I think I'm for the price for the complete thing, I think I'm content to just live with my loose CD in a CD like those gem cases. Yeah. And Snatcher is the second most expensive Sega CD game. Oh, what's the most expensive? Well, uh, let me see if I can guess. Okay. Is it an obvious name? Um, I don't think it's... I mean, if you know Sega CD, you would know that this is one of the more rare games. Uh, I'm going to punt. Just tell me. Keo Flying Squadron. Really? Mm-hmm. I would not have... I would never in a million years have guessed that would be the most expensive one. Yeah, it was a very late release. It did not sell very well. and It was very low production. Uh, that complete in box is $3,300. Oh, Snatcher, which is second, is $1,300. So $2,000 price difference between those two. Mm, my goodness. And the cheapest complete game is Sherlock Holmes Volume 1 for $9.45. <laughs> you know, if I didn't already have that, I would buy it. Yes. Followed by, again, kind of obvious things. Bill Walsh calls football, Joe Montana, Tomcat Alley, NFL's greatest teams, FIFA soccer. Mm. You know, so a lot of the sports games are low, and the expensive games are, yeah, you know, Popful Mail, Space Adventure, Radical Rex, you know. Okay. Stuff. So you, what you, this conversation reminded me. I need to make a correction. Uh, this is not what I was forgetting early in the episode, but I need to make a correction. In the Sega CD episode, I said that my brother and I traded in a bunch of stuff at Games to Go for a Sega CD in ni- in the fall of 1993. It was the fall of 1994. The fall of 93 is when we got our Genesis. And then we got the 32X for Christmas of 94. But it would have been the fall of 94. Or summer summer or fall of 94. Might have been summer. Where we got the Sega CD. So, correction on that. That's... Uh, but the reason, that, the reason that I was reminded of that is you were talking about Sherlock Holmes. And I said, I have it. I have that... You know that thing that shipped with this the Model 2 Sega CD that it was like this weird double-sided yeah. uh-huh. case and yeah. I, okay. I, I have that of course yeah 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 okay that's yeah. that's what I have okay yeah yeah so well so without saying too much without spoiler spoiling too much this will actually not be the last time you hear from me this episode but for now we're done with St. John tracks let's turn our attention to the best of Hugh. Yes. Uh, so looping back to the uh, fast music for slow times, what did you pick? I picked uh, this was e- this this was a very close second favorite behind the Quad Machine track for me for the entire episode. Uh, it was Conflict from Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII on the PSP, composed by Takaharu Ishimoto. Let's go ahead and check it out.
All right. And that is Conflict from Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII on the PSP. What, um, so we had t- when we were talking about our tastes in metal, which are very peripheral for us, mm-hmm. um, I said that I like the. 90s grunge or I like the kind of the super drop tune like in the in the conflict between fast thrash and drop tune chug I'm a million times over a bigger fan of drop tune chug where each instead of getting a million notes a, a second each note weighs a ton mm-hmm. and I think of everything that's everything I will go so far as to say that everything that's been featured on well everything that's been featured on channel 2 anyway this is definitely the heaviest hitting piece that we've ever had, I think. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's the battle music, so, uh, you know, it's fairly intense. The battle system's pretty fast-paced. You know, it's not a real turn-based system. It's similar to a turn-based system, but it's not really a turn-based system. And even though I just played through this recently, I, I was watching some footage of the remake, and I'm pretty excited about that. I think they really improved the game. It looks to me like they improved the game a lot in the remake. We'll, we'll see. Okay. Well, I, I'm actually... When I found out there was a remake for it, I actually got pretty excited. I'd like to see about getting that. Yeah, I mean, it suffers... You know, it's... Let's say it's a PlayStation 2 game, originally. Mm-hmm. It's a PSP game. But it's... Quality-wise, it's sort of PS... It, it feels like a PlayStation 2 game. And it has mm-hmm. kind of the... It has the kind of camera you get from games of that era. Okay. And... You know, when you're exploring, it can, you know, be kind of difficult to see what's going on because the camera is actively fighting you. <laughs> of course. So, uh, if, if they fix that alone, it's going to be a huge upgrade. Okay. Okay. I definitely felt like PSP was... Uh, in PSP slots somewhere in between PS1 and PS2 in terms of its hardware capabilities, but I always felt it was much closer to PS2 in that dynamic. In terms of what it was capable yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'll look and see, I'll look in, into g- getting a copy of that remix or that that re-release. Um, I just love the intensity of the guitars on this track. The drop tuned. I like I said, I'm not a big heavy metal fan, but you know, uh, there's this really cheap, really cheap brand of surprisingly reputable guitars called Harley Benton, and I found out they're making an eight-string guitar for like less than 200 bucks and it would be it would be used for stuff like this and god i almost want to buy it i mean this this track alone almost makes convinces me yes this is worth less than 200 bucks to buy but i gotta no more no more unplanned purchases for a little while (laughs) yeah yeah this will go on sale at some point so yeah yeah um okay well so what is your first u track uh i went with one of my favorite soundtracks really uh shadow run on super nintendo by marshall parker and this is the cage which is a you know cyberpunk bar
the cage from Shadowrun on Super Nintendo. Also my favorite version of games called Shadowrun. Uh, because it's really an RPG. Like the most the average Shadowrun game is more like a tactical combat game. Mm -hmm. And this is just a straight up uh, sort of action RPG. I mean the action is pretty mild. You don't you don't have to be very good at the game. Okay. But it's really just a 16-bit RPG uh, with an isometric view. Very, very good. Good story. Great soundtrack. I, I really enjoyed this game a lot. Okay. Yeah, you had mentioned uh, in the original episode that this was a totally different game than the other versions of Shadowrun. Yeah, yeah. Is this game pretty easy to find for cheap? I suppose not. Um, uh, I don't think this was a huge seller either, right? Oh. Shad, you can edit this as much as you feel like. Shadowrun snaps. Uh, no, I mean, people are the cheapest loose copies I see are 30, but they look pretty bootleggy to me, especially based on what country they're shipping from. Um, complete copies are a little over 200, it looks like. Yikes. Okay, and for comparison, I you were I knew you were looking at the Super NES version, so for comparison, I looked yeah. up the Genesis version, and it's way cheaper. That's gonna be bad too. Well, it's it, uh, it looks like ten dollars and fifty cents for a loose cart, and fifty or forty-eight bucks for a complete in box. So quite a bit cheaper. Looks like the most expensive one I'm seeing is one hundred and twenty bucks, but. Yeah, yeah, this this cheap one I'm seeing looks extremely bootleg. Like Repro. Yeah, yeah. Especially because they're showing you lots of pictures of things to try and demonstrate that it's not bootleg. <laughs> okay. Alright, let's uh let's move on to uh, our all-night super quiet dance party episode. This yes. is the one, by the way, your pick, this is the one I probably would have picked for this episode. Okay, this is the one that that I... Yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 I wondered. I wondered. from the, When we were talking about it, you seemed to be really excited about it, so I wondered if I, that was going to Yeah, happen. I did, I, even though I've never played this game. Um, but this is another one getting remakes soon, but why don't you, why don't you take it from okay. here? Okay. Yeah. So, this is... Another PSP game. This is After School from Persona 3 Portable, composed by Shoji Maguro. So let's check it out.
Okay, yeah, after school from Persona 3 Portable. Yeah, it's um it's such a fun track. It is, and it definitely has that kind of, you know, if, if, assuming Persona 3 works like the Persona 5, this is probably you're just walking around talking to your classmates before being sucked into a like evil parallel dimension. <laughs> Everything yeah. is fine. You're just doing your clubs or whatever. Yeah, it it does it does have that sense that feeling of freedom after school's out. You know, we're not so old that we've forgotten what that feels like to be done with school for the day. Because mm-hmm. it's a similar feeling when you're done for done with work for the day. Uh, depending on what kind of job you have, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you have like a really like. I use this like a punch cardy kind of job, you know, like I have a shift, this is the shift, and when I'm done I leave. I can understand that that feeling. But if it's one where it's like, oh yeah, you might get paged at ten o'clock at night, then it's not quite the same. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um Well, it's a it's just a blast of a track. I'm sorry I took it from you, but I guess we're well, even. See. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it was, there, there really wasn't anything on this episode that um, I, I think every song. I mean, I, I, I don't know if we've ever picked a song that I disliked, but this was a hard one to choose in general. I, I could have gone with almost any track on this one. Okay. Okay. Um, and the one I picked, which I'm going to butcher here, is um, from Idol Hakuden on Famicom, and uh, this is the the ending track. I think you have the full title here, but I'm going to butcher it too badly. <laughs> so uh, you know it'll be it'll be fun go ahead by uh kirohito kiro see i missed there's not a t in the name there's no t anywhere in that name uh kaiohiro sada and uh tomo masato
So yeah, I was originally drawn to this game because of the... I, I described... You can go back and listen to the episode. I try to describe the plot. The plot is very baddy. So I, I thought there must be something redeeming about this. Like, the game is probably fun. Um, but I decided to listen to the soundtrack, and I was I was pretty impressed with this one. It's it's a nice, like, hey, here's everything you hear in the game kind of track. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is kind, of, which is something of a calling card for you, which I like. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a really fun track. It's a really light track. Um, I guess the title of the track is Kimi wa Hoi Musume. Try saying that ten times fast. Yes. Um. Yeah, I I would love a chance to you know maybe I just need to go watch a YouTube video of this. Um. Definitely not one I'm going to try to pick up. No, no, you'd have to. I, I, you know, you have to get the loose card and get a ROM hack and, um, mm-hmm. you know, all that, all that stuff. It seems like a lot of work. Hmm. Hmm. Although, if there isn't, if I do find myself making another surprise eBay purchase, it probably will be a Japanese Famicom because those are seemingly going for really cheap. Those are not. I mean, I'm finding those in like in the fifty, sixty, seventy dollar range, which is doable for a system did, did i mention that i bought a famiclone for like a couple dollars recently <laughs> no but tell me about it um yeah so like garage sales are back you know they've okay. been gone for a while and there was one who was really close to my house and it was an older couple and they just had a table that they called like their son's junk like i don't know if he okay. moved out or just wasn't there but uh one of the things on there was a family boy Famicom clone Family Boy for five dollars. Wow! And uh, it works. I plugged it in, popped a game in, works just fine. I don't know if it's just you have so much better luck than me, or if it's the difference between like a super big city and a mid-sized city. But I just never seem to have that kind of luck at garage sales like you seem to like always have. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, I'm in the suburbs, so I'm not like in the the city city. But you know, when you look at like. This came up my other podcast. Like, you will probably never find a Vectrax at a yard sale in, in a small town because it was literally, like, only sold in New York, Chicago, and L.A. Mm-hmm. You know, they only shipped it to stores in major markets. Um, and, and that's probably the case. Like, I don't know how many people in your area are importing Japanese video games. That's that's a fair that's a that's a fair point. I mean, there are certainly there certainly are people, but not in mass. You know, I mean, it might not be a dramatically different ratio than what you have, but it's certainly a dramatically different scale. There's different scale, yeah. Because when I when I've driven through your your state, I have stopped made made a point to stop at independent game stores in the area. Mm-hmm. So there definitely is a market that can sustain independent game stores. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I don't really recall them having a big import section, um, but it's, it's been a while. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just mm-hmm. you know we, we got a lot of people and some of these now Family Boy would be the except would not fit my Vectrex example, but yeah, in the eighties there's just some systems they only sold in certain markets. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if I ever do find a Vectrex in town, I'll be sure to <laughs> tell you. Yeah, all about it. yeah. Make sure you buy it if you find one. Yeah, I will. I will. All right. Um, so, yeah. So, we get back to C2E8. And what's interesting is we actually end up, between the two of us, collectively between the two of us, we actually end up featuring both tracks we featured in the original episode from Yuzo Koshiro. 
because that's that was an error feature. We each picked eight composers, or we each picked four composers, but then we each picked a track from all eight composers. So each composer had two tracks. And back in the Best of St. John, I had brought my Yuzo Koshiro track, and so now I'm bringing Hughes Yuzo Koshiro track. It is Daiba Freezing Town from 7th Dragon 2020, yet another PSP game. <laughs> and let's go ahead and check it out. Okay, all right, and that's Daiba Freezing Town from 7th Dragon 2020. And uh, 
What inspired you to bring this track in the original episode? Do you remember? Um, you know, I didn't want to do another uh, chiptune soundtrack from Yuzo Koshiro. Um, I, I think that's been done a lot. So this is a soundtrack. I haven't played this game, but I have listened to the soundtrack quite a few times. And this song in particular always just stood out. It's sort of haunting. It, it's weird. It sort of goes between like sort of slow and haunting to really up tempo and back down. You know, it's it's a song with, with quite a few changes in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, just I can I've never played the game because I got into PSP too late, or maybe, this may not have even been a US release. Um, and if it was a US release, I'm sure you know getting old RPGs is basically impossible. But like I can, I feel like I can picture the town just based on the music. All right, describe the town. Kind of wintry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I. Uh, that's why I picked this one. Okay. It's a good track. I really, I really like. It goes several different places. Um, it has energetic. Mo- well, I mean, not super energetic, but it has a lively moment, uh, and then it has. Uh, these kind of great spacey chill moments like what we're here right now actually yeah. yeah yeah so yeah unfortunately it does not look like there is an english version of this okay so that's unfortunate there is i mean if i want to go to the sketchy site i can get an english patched version now what might, what else might be in that file <laughs> i i am not gonna find out <laughs> okay, good. All right, and then uh, what did I pick? So I picked um, from uh, uh, Trails of Cold Steel 2, also sometimes called Senno Kaseki 2 if you are in Japan. Uh, Blue mm-hmm. Destination. So this is um, this is a fairly popular song um, by, by Falcom standards, I guess. Like if you look at um, their Spotify channel, this is one of their more played songs. Um, and it's uh, almost certainly uh, Takahiro Unisuga who, who composed this one um, based okay. on the research of, of various people on the internet who try and figure out the specific composers for each of these songs.
All right, Blue Destination. Blue Destination, yes. So this is also another one of those, you know, you mentioned that I, I tend to pick songs that are um, several other songs combined. This uses elements of a vocal track called um, uh, I Remember You, I'll Remember You. Okay. Um, which is, it, it's sort of a song that's like dedicated. It, it, it's played at the end when like a, a major character uh, dies or seemingly dies. Um, almost nobody ever dies permanently in this series. That's sort of a trademark of the, of the series. I'm trying not to spoil anything here. Okay. And it's it's meant that that vocal track is like almost like a tribute to that character. The way they play it in this incorporates um, part of that music. So it, it's another okay. you know hybrid song. Well, and it's our obligatory Falcom track. Yes. This is our only Falcom track of this episode, isn't it? It is not, no. Uh, let me look, let me look. Do, 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 you do, picked do, the other one. I'm going to feel so embarrassed. Okay. I'm still looking at the list. I'm not seeing it. Okay. Well, we'll get to it eventually. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. All right. Yep. <laughs> okay. That's so uh, that's so bad. I'm actually probably not going to edit that out. Yeah, um, no, no, it's an easy one to miss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because in the it's a game that was released in the U.S. but had a different. You had the publisher name plastered all over the box. Okay. So it would be easy to mistake it for being that pub. You know, being a different company. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That released yeah. the game. That's well, we'll the make Fal sure. Falcon games in the U.S. There's so many of them where you don't know that they're Falcom games because you know, like you you fire up tombs and treasure it says like activision on the title screen in big font and like legacy of the wizard they completely changed the name and it says like broader bund all over the place uh, oh yeah yeah that's right it, it's not like the the current company that ports these i, I guess both both xseed and um miss america have been very good about including the falcom logo like when the game starts and on the box but historically you know when their games get ported to the u.s just Whoever is porting it has their name on it, and maybe in small print, you'll, you'll see the the Falcom name. Okay, yeah. Okay, I I had forgot completely forgotten that Legacy of the Wizard was Falcom. What was its original name? Do you remember? Uh, it's uh, Dragon Slayer Four. Okay. Okay. All right. Interesting. Well, so when we get to that other Falcom track, and the reason it took me so long to find it is I'm here, here I am scouring the first half of the episode and like, I don't remember picking a Falcom track. Yeah. <laughs> but then, right. uh, yeah, okay. And then when you said still coming, I'm like, oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. Um, well, so anyway, um, let's go on to, let's get back to the desert and we'll get to my, my pick of your tracks. And God, I love this track. I really love this track. So it is Atlantis of the Sands from Uncharted 3 on the PS3, composed by Greg Edmondson, Azam Ali, J.D. Meyer, and or Clint Bajshakian. I think I said that right.
Okay, and that's Atlantis of the Sands from Uncharted 3. My favorite thing about this is just how much it sounds like so many desert scenes in so many Hollywood movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like it's from a movie for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. And it goes so many different places. It has so many different kind of moods and modes to it. Yeah, this is such a great series. I, I, I don't think you've played these yet, right? Well... Hold that thought. My favorite part is coming up right now. The soaring strings. Mm -hmm. That's majestic. That is so majestic. God, I love that so much. Um, So I have played a little bit of all of the first three plus the PSP games. I have not played any. Well, I got several. I got maybe three or four or five hours into the first game. And then when I got the second and third games, I was like, I want to just play the first few minutes to see what they did with the graphics. See how the graphics improved. And then when I got the game on the PSP, not the PSP, God, the PS Vita, I played the first couple minutes of that just to see how it looked. And then that's all the further I've gotten. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if you'd like Indiana Jones, you would like really like these because I think the stories are better than virtually all the Indiana Jones movies, except for the first mm-hmm. one, maybe. Yeah, we, we talked about this, so I won't kill a bunch of time with it, but... I haven't seen Raiders of the Lost Ark since I was single digits years old, yeah, and so I yeah. remember I remember basically nothing about it, and that's why I missed when we were talking Ernest Evans. That's why I missed the whip reference <laughs> at first, you know, uh, and then caught myself, of course. But that's you know, and then yeah. So the earliest Indiana Jones I remember is Temple of Doom, which I know you don't like, um, but I, not, I sure no. I, I like it a lot better than Last Crusade. I guess I'll give it that. Okay, so you have the opposite. I, I thought Last Crusade was better than Temple of Doom. I mean, Temple of Doom, when I was a kid, I probably was thought it was awesome. Uh, but, you know, I thought hot dogs were awesome, too. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like what did I know? So, I, I did not... When I tried to watch it now, it's one of those movies, if you try and watch it now, you'll just spend most of the time cringing. Well, it is kind of... It's cheesy, it's cheesy. Okay, we could agree on that. But the question is, is it endearingly cheesy or not? And maybe we'll just agree to disagree on that point. But um, there is... I love the cultural references that it, that that survive. You know? Uh, I, <laughs> one episode of Family Guy, I think someone made someone mad and they looked at him and said, Kalima! You know? Yeah. <laughs> just... <laughs> I guess that's a great one word way to let someone know you're angry at them. But uh, anyway, uh, let's let's move on. What's your uh, what's your desert track? Yeah, I went with uh, Gerudo Desert from Twilight Princess. Toro, Minigishi, um, Asuka, Hayazaki, and or Koji Kondo. Thank you. 
Princess. Twilight Princess. Gerudo Desert. Um, I think a good take on, on the theme. Really would be cool if uh, this remake came out again on Switch or something else. I would be happily play this game a third time. I guess I've never played the Wii version. Because I didn't... I played it for a second or two, didn't like the motion controls, and I already had the GameCube version, so... Mm -hmm. I maybe could go back and try it again. Um, I just... Uh, I like the GameCube controls, and that's the version... That's what they ported over to Wii U, was the GameCube version. Okay. Uh, this was during that... I That spate of... Un, uh, Unstable employment in the really early teens, um, mm -hmm. and it was the Wii, the Wii version I played. It, I later got the GameCube version. I never fired it up. I, I think I probably would have preferred the GameCube version, but the Wii version is what I did, and it was fine. And you know, I'm, I was satisfied with it. So, um, great game though, and a great soundtrack. I, I really oh, yeah. love, and and I think we talked about this. Uh, I, I would it. Would you be willing to agree with me that other, perhaps other than Majora's Mask, this would be the darkest Zelda game? Um, yeah, I, I suppose. I mean, it's stylistically very dark. Uh, Majora's Mask, the story and themes are definitely darker. In Twilight mm -hmm. Princess, there's one pretty dark scene. There's like the whole like scene in the past, the uh, Ganon gets executed. Mm -hmm. Like, that's... By Zelda standards, that is really dark. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I I think so. I mean, I can't think of another another Zelda game that's that's particularly, you know, gritty like this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're generally cheerful settings. You know, so that the flashbacks in Breath of the Wild are pretty dark. Right. But that's... Right. The overall game is... Really not, other than Hyrule Castle. Sure, sure, sure. Except for the—I mean, you're running through the wreckage of a once beautiful world, but uh, yeah, but it's, it's done kind of, in. Yeah, I was gonna say it's kind of pretty. Like it's all, like it's ruins, but it's there's flowers. You know, like yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's it's yeah, it's not done in such a dark way. Um. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, so now we come back for a second and final time to our Sega CD episode, and we get to my Falcom track. Yes. <laughs> Hiding in plain sight was Iceberg by from Popful Mail, and it was composed by Mieko Ishikawa and arranged for Sega CD by Hirofumi Matsuoka.
Okay, and that's Iceberg from Popful Mail on the Sega CD. Yes. And uh, I think I mentioned on the episode that, like, Miko Ishikawa has worked on every Falcom game in some capacity. Mm. Um, she did music in the early days. She did, like, East 3 and, and obviously Popful Mail. And is more of, like, a, you know, producer role. Um, it, it seems like the kind of company where uh, they just stick you on whatever they need you to work on that day. Mm-hmm. Or at least mm-hmm. in the early days, it worked like that um, because you'll see people who were like programmers on one game and composers on another game. Mm-hmm. So when you say she's worked on every game, is that is that um, is that literal or no, is that just literal, like? Yeah, I think I believe that's I believe I mean that literally. I think you will see her name in the credits of every game they've made. Wow, wow, that's really impressive. That's really impressive, especially considering what a vast body Falcom has made. Yeah, yeah, but it's always they basically have like one game going at a time. You know, I mean, it's it's like a a small development team, so they they basically are just working like one game at any given time. I think so. Um, yeah, I mean, if you go to Moby Games, game credits go back to East One, so it wouldn't be like literally every game. Like I suppose Computer the Golf is not. On, on her resume, um, that that's an early game. They, Falcon didn't even write that game, um, but that's like one of their earliest games. But yeah, going all the way back to of stuff they actually worked, so of stuff they actually wrote. So East, their first Dragon Slayer, all the way up to um, East Nine. Okay. Okay. Uh, they typically don't have games listed here that haven't been released in the U.S. yet, but I'm assuming the later games um, she was on them too. Okay. Well, that's really impressive. That's really impressive. Um, what a huge body of work. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to think of like people who have worked. I mean, um, you know, Shigeru Miyamoto obviously has worked on like early, you know, the first Nintendo games up to their most recent ones. I think he just turned seventy recently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, of course, he could not have worked on all of them, but. There's not a lot of names that you see that have, you know, 40-year careers like that. Right, right, right. Especially when you got to think, when they were starting, video games were so small, they were probably thinking, well, this is something I'll do for a little while and then go on to something else. Yeah. And then it's what they, ends up being their life. Yeah, and and most, like, programming jobs, I mean, I, I realize this more in more every day, is, you know, the, for programmers, like, burnout is a real problem. And a lot of programmers, they, I, I've read a few times that the, like the average age is like 35 that most people kind of nope out of the business and go on to be okay. like project managers or some other role, right? Okay. okay. So people doing like, like programming and technical work do tend to burn out and go on to something else. Is, is I, think why, I think why you see a lot of developers, you know, that worked on games when they were young and then went and did something else afterwards. Okay. Um, yeah, I imagine. And, you know, burnout is something that anyone can experience. I, hell, when I'm in peak production mode for the podcast, I, I feel the, sometimes I feel a little bit of it. So, um. Yeah. Well, game development in particular is notorious for, for, um, difficult working conditions and, and burnout. Sure. Sure. Of course. Of course. Well, and you hear, I mean, God, that's all over the news. You know, I mean, you you have that stuff with, there was 
all the stuff with Activision. Well, Activision was more. No, what company? Am I, Activision's well, Activision got a different. Is one of them, yes, but. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they're well, they're more. They're more in the news for a very different kind of controversy right things, now. But but yes, but they, they're also known to have the kind of crunch culture. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh, so, that reminds you, so, so speaking of crunch and in, in developers burning out. So we're recording this on uh, November twentieth, and I think you said it's going to go out December fourteenth, right? Yes. On December fourteenth, will Twitter be up? <laughs> well, I tell you what, I I don't know. I I, I said in a I said in a post to a, or in a comment t- uh, tweet to a fellow podcaster Pernell Vaughn from Rhythm and Pixels, I ha- I feel it's more likely that Twitter will go bad than go bye bye, but either scenario is possible. Yeah, I don't mean like they shut down. I mean like something important crashes and they don't have anyone around to fix it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's certainly possible. I, I, I tell you, the more time passes, <clears throat> I'm beginning to feel that social media burnout. And so I'm actually spending gradually less and less time on social media. I can see an eventual escape from social media, but not an, not an imminent one. Uh, but I did go in the opposite direction. Um, a lot of people that I've been following that I that I that are pretty high regarded are going over to this Mastodon thing. And so I actually did create Mastodon accounts the other okay. day. So... Um, if anyone listening to this uh, cares to follow me on Mastodon, I'll put my both my personal account, uh, St. John from Des Moines, and the Nerd Noise Radio Mastodon account uh, ha- or at, at, uh, in the show notes. So you'll be able to find me at those at those uh, at those. Um, I will not have one. I will I will never <laughs> have a social media account again. Well, I'm I'm envious of you. But I, I am debating standing up. Like, it's pretty easy to run Mastodon. Like, you can okay. spin up a virtual machine in, in AWS and run Mastodon. And I was mm-hmm. thinking of creating an incredibly exclusive Mastodon server. Oh, neat. Yeah. There will be one person, it will be me, and all my uh, tweets will be private. <laughs> so you'll be talking into the void. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking about just mostly to do just a tutorial article on how to run it in AWS. Um, okay. But then I would never, like, like who can join? No one. It would be a very thorough vetting process if in the rare event I let someone join. I think that's I th- that's really interesting. You basically could say anything you want in front of no one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I could yeah. do that in my house, too, of course. But Yeah, 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 yeah. But this yeah. is technically social media. It is, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, well, all, these, I like, actually... all, these, all these Twitter clones where people are like, oh, I want, you know, the the free speech alternative Twitter clones. Almost all of those are Mastodon. Oh, oh well, okay. So, well, that's one thing that I was afraid of because, yeah. um, well, see, when I started hearing about Mastodon, I started thinking, oh, no, this, you know, is this going to be another one of those parlors or truth socials that I want absolutely nothing to do with? But, yeah, but, but those are all built on Mastodon. They're not like, that the Mastodon account you created isn't the same thing. They're, they're Mastodon's open source software. This is mm-hmm. what gets confusing. It's like, imagine if Twitter made their source code public and anybody could just stand up an instance of Twitter on their own environment. Okay. So that's what's confusing about Mastodon. It's, it's similar to saying, like, I joined Discord. Well, what exactly does that mean? Because yeah, there's yeah. thousands and thousands of Discord servers. Mm-hmm. In Mastodon, mm-hmm. you can take Mastodon and you can relabel it, you know, whatever you're calling your social network. Uh, again, mine is the opposite of free speech. It's incredibly limited speech. Only very specific people, <laughs> namely me, can join it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, well, 
Okay, good. I just because when I when I when I joined Mastodon, I thought, oh god, I, d- I hope I didn't end up in one of these far right groups because I I just want absolutely nothing to do with that. No, no, they they run their own. Yeah, they run their own instance, and one of them got you know, Mastodon complained and because they were like commenting out the references to Mastodon in the code to try and make it look like they wrote it themselves. Mm. Like some of them have done that, and then Mastodon's like, yeah, you know this. Sort of, the problem, the big problem with Mastodon is uh, it's under a. Uh, a very non-permissive open source license. Okay. So you like you can't modify anything in there without that also being under the same license. Mm. So I, I don't want to get into like a whole diatribe about open source licenses, but it's like like no business would ever like M- Microsoft would never fork Mastodon and stand up their own version of it because the license is very very bad for commercial use. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that, that gives me enough of a picture that I, I think I get the point. So what do you say we move on to, this is not our last track of the day, but this is the last of Best of Saint, or yeah. Best of Hugh. Yeah. And this is, the last, this is the last track where there will be talking afterwards. So why don't you, why don't you close out Best of Hugh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Melee Island, Secret of Monkey Island. Michael Zeland, Barney Jones, Andy Newell, and Patrick Mundy are all credited for music. I don't know which one or combination of them worked on this. And this is just, you know, I like town music a lot. And this is a nice town music track. You know, walking around, running errands. Uh, you can't die in the game. It's just a nice, like, festive, peaceful, festive yet also calm village.
All right, Melee Island. And uh, I, I didn't mean to besmirch Mastodon. It's, a, it's an interesting piece of software and people worked really hard on it. I'm just saying the license can be problematic depending what you want to do with it. Sure. It's, it's sure. what well, I call, it's, it's what I call an extortion license. Like um, a lot of, a lot of software switching this model because what happens is like big companies fork a piece of software like Logstash, right? Something like that. And then um, they don't contribute back. You know, they're basically using this, this uh, software for free. Um, so they release it under a license where any modifications you make to the software have to be under the same license and have to be made available to the public unless you okay. pay them for a commercial license. Which, by the way, people are working hard on this. They should get paid. I'm not opposed to people getting paid. Sure. Um, well, I'm just saying if you decide you want to run your own Mastodon server and you want to make changes to the Mastodon product, be careful that you're not out of compliance with their license. Sure. Well, and, and unless I'm misunderstanding you, this almost sounds like a good thing to me because it sounds like it's something that's free and easy or at least dirt cheap for the average small guy, but like really prohibitive for the big guy, which it, there's it is, right? not so a lot you, of that. Right. So if you want to stand up your own private Mastodon, you can do that. Go for it, right? Mm -hmm. If you are big company, I don't know what's a big company, let's say Amazon. Amazon okay. wants to create a product called Amazon Social. Let's say Google. Let's go. <laughs> let's pick Google because Google tried to do a social network. Let's say instead of writing their own, Google Plus was Mastodon, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They couldn't make modifications to it that were private. You know, like we we have some secret. There's some secret changes we're making to it to integrate with Google products we don't want other people to know about. They would have to okay. pay the Mastodon developers to do that. Okay. It's um maybe maybe this isn't a perfect metaphor, but I'm I, I'm getting Robin Hood out of this and i kind of like that yeah i mean it's it's a license that's similar to how linux is licensed but mm -hmm. with an exception for like embedding things so like you can embed you, you can make changes to linux um and, and you can like embed linux in a service and that embedded service doesn't it isn't subject to that license and mastodon and now like logstash and a few other products work differently mm -hmm. but i think that's what their intent was i think they were concerned that companies of big companies would embed their would basically create you know their own social networks using their product and, and they wouldn't be compensated for their work again they're allowed to do it i'm just just be careful with your work sure 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 well i think it's good actually uh you know something dawned on me this is actually the second episode in a row where we will be using this particular track to take things out as like, you know, well, let's talk about your show. Let's talk about my show. All right. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Yeah. This is the second episode in a row to use this same track for that purpose. Yes. And it's also a track that either of us could have picked. Um, mm -hmm. I looked at the notes. I didn't remember which one of us picked it because um, we have both picked songs from this game before. Okay. Right. Okay. This is, this is one soundtrack we agree on. Oh, well, there's a ton of soundtracks we agree yeah. on. But this one in particular, like, um, I think over the course of the show, we'll probably feature like every song for this game. I think there's a good chance of that. Well, maybe we'll make it a point. Uh, the way things currently stand. Now, of course, you know, um, as John Lennon famously said, life is what life is what happens when you're busy making other plans, uh, you know, or, or, you know, perhaps a more religiously minded person might say man plans and God laughs, mm -hmm. but the plan is to keep the show going until the end of 2026 and then to shut it down then. 
Um, so we've got plenty of time to get this whole soundtrack in. <laughs> Maybe we make it a point to try to, you know, like find a way to do it. <laughs> make that be like a little cookie for, for people. Um, there's really nothing. I mean, I, we talked about this. We talked about this track at pretty decent length in the previous episode. So there's not a lot I'll say about it, except that it's, it's, it's warm and peaceful. Mm-hmm. You know that that uh, it, I, I'm nine. I'm I'm positive it's synthetic rather than organic. But the the yeah. bass is like a. I want to say it's an. It sounds like an upright bass, like a bass violin sample. It's kind of what it sounds like. That kind of uh, that kind of wow sound to it, or maybe a fretless bass. Um, but it's so warm, so comforting. I love it. Uh, there was one thing. Okay. Um, we were talking I think I remember what I was going to say at the beginning of the show and it's actually a lot less important than I thought it would be <laughs> we were talking about Linux uh, my my teenager August um, has had ha- had a laptop that they hardly used it was running Windows it got slower than dirt uh, and they said do you want it and at first I tried to talk him out of it I'm like no no let's you know first things first let's try flashing window you know restoring with Windows so you have a better experience or or I said you know this is going to sound self. Uh, this is going to sound opportunistic on my part, but we could always put Linux on it for you, mm-hmm. you know. But they said no. I, I I have my school laptop. That's the only laptop I need. I want you to have it. So now I've got to figure out what Linux distro I'm going to put on it. And I think, I think I want to try something as far away from Ubuntu or even Arch as possible, just so I can get a bigger taste of the Linux first. Uh, there's a there's a desktop environment XFCE, which I'm positive you're familiar with. Yeah. They they have. Um, Historically, I've not been crazy about it. It seems too basic for me, but um, there are people who have made skins that make it look 99% identical to either like Mac OS 9 or or Windows 95. And so I think what I want to do is like maybe like let's say Fedora XFCE or or something like that and then just make it look like Windows 95. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Um, and then something else you said triggered another memory for me as as people who heard the previous episode know we opened it with a kind of a blooper or kind of a gag which was fun but i gotta tell you my favorite thing about the the gag from the previous episode hugh mm-hmm. is how you basically just launched into the show before we launched the show <laughs> you know like just like like if one of us is going to take the show off the rails 99 percent of the time it's going to be me <laughs> but here i here we were you know, you just we did this gag, and all of a sudden, you just start talking like show stuff. And I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, this is gold. So I'm, I'm just kind of being really patient, waiting for a chance to bring, you know, like steer it back around. And my favorite part about that was how it, it was how we just would <laughs> that. You know, we went into the show before the show started. I, I do like that. I do like that. Um, but I think that's, I think that's everything except for our typical end of the show stuff. Um, you know, by now it's. By now, it's getting so redundant to talk about our shows. But listen, we're never going to stop talking about our other shows. So please tell, please tell anyone listening to the show for the first time about your show. Uh, well, I have a podcast called uh, Retro Game Club. It is out on all the uh, places that you can get podcasts, and we typically talk about um, interesting, like ROM hacks or um, emulation news. Or uh, I think my favorite segment uh, we call Doom Running on Things, which mm-hmm. is whatever people have gotten doomed to run on that week, which is almost always something. And then we usually do a, you know, little review of, of a couple of games. Okay. 
it's a really good show. Uh, you, and you know, you probably know, uh, but via Zach, I'm I'm constantly sending you guys stuff that I find about Doom or Quake running on stuff. Yes, yeah. Now we do cut like eighty percent of of all news before we start the episode. Like we start an episode, <laughs> that, and we have a lot of stuff, and then we're like, oh, this is too much stuff, and then we just like hack eighty percent off. Okay. Um, mostly because we're trying to keep the show to like an hour. Uh huh. No, my feelings are never hurt when yeah, my submissions yeah. don't make it. You know, I but I'm 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 throwing stuff in. Yeah, 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 yeah. We appreciate that. I, I, there's at least one Doom running on things that I think we did not have um, recently from you. Okay. Okay. It was not Doom running on potatoes, but it was something. I can't remember which one it was now. I don't remember either because there's too many of them. But yeah, it's just become part of the social. It's just become kind of the tech uh, geekery to just do Doom on everything. So. Yeah. Um, Okay, so Nerd Noise Radio Channel One is inspired by uh, it's it's I'm, I think I, I think I've settled on the on calling it Mixtape Plus because it's a mixtape, but it has an, an intro and an outro that's inspired by by uh, NPR music programs like Hearts of Space, and then it's a uh, it, you know Channel Two is so much deeper than Channel One in certain regards because you get to you get to hear us talk you get to know Hugh you get to know me you get to know something about the game and the track and all that stuff it's it's much more personable but it's also much more shallow than Channel One in other regards because you only have typically fourteen tracks today it's twenty two but you know we're we're ending a year um, and whereas Channel One almost always has at least 30 tracks, sometimes 50 tracks, sometimes 60 tracks. And they're uninterrupted, no talking. It's all music. It takes you on a journey. And so uh, whereas Channel Two is kind of hard to listen to, is just background noise. It kind of requires more focus. Channel One is special because you can listen to it as background noise or you can listen to it focused because I'm putting enough little Easter eggs in there that it's worth the active listen. But just put it on the background, you know, type, work, you know, drive, do whatever, and only pay half attention to it. And it's still a fantastic experience that way. So, um, if you haven't checked it out, check it out in December. Now the plan was in December for Hugh and I to each have a best of 2020 channel one. Mine will happen. I'm not sure if Hughes is going to happen because he's super duper busy. I don't know uh, what's going to happen either. Yeah. I will, I will see what I can, I'll see what I can pull off. Well, uh, what I will say is I'd much prefer there to be a, a, a Hugh episode as well. But if it doesn't happen, that's fine. You know, uh, if it doesn't happen, maybe what I'll do is I'll put in an extra rerun. Or I'll do like a Channel F, the other 50. And just between two episodes, share you 100 tracks from the year. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, since we don't know, we can't tell you. So you'll just have to stay tuned and find out. But... I think that's, and then, you know, we'll be back in, in January with a channel one episode and it's going to be special because in January, so channel one launched in, in January of 2017, but before that nerd noise radio was like a social media VGM aggregate service that launched in January of 2013. So in January, nerd noise radio as an entity turns 10. And so I'm going to do an episode focusing on music we shared on social media before there was a podcast. And then we'll be back in February for our first uh, Channel 2 of the year. And we don't know what the theme is yet. Uh, I think I think I'm going to try to get as much as I can with this best of 20, this best of 2022 on Channel 1 done before December. And then I'm going to try to take as much of December as I can off. Uh, so 
I probably won't put, we probably won't even put a lot of thought into that until, until, uh, the new year. So we'll just find out. We'll find yep. out together. Yeah. Um, so the last thing we need to do before we go bye-bye is your closing wild card. And since we won't be back to talk about it, let's talk about it now. Um, yeah. And I just closed the show notes. Um, <laughs> I want to make sure I got the track name right. That's the problem. So, uh, yeah, I picked a shop theme from Jaguar XJ220 on Sega CD. A uh, absolutely underrated soundtrack. I, I feel like the whole world needs to know about the soundtrack for this game. Well, what's funny is this is actually the second time in the history of Nerd Noise Radio that you've ch- you've chosen this track. And it's, okay, so... Hugh, Hugh and I became uh, podcast partners in 2020, but before that, when he was still just a guest, he uh, he contributed to our best of 2018, okay. 2019. Yeah, it was best of 2019, and um, this track was featured on Channel One in 2019, mm-hmm. and it was his, and he he added it to the episode as his pick. So this is the second time Hugh has picked. A, this track for a best of nerd noise radio episode okay well anytime this appears i will probably pick it for a best of episode. So it's, <laughs> it, it, I'm it's reliable a fantastic, that way i i don't it, think there's a song on the soundtrack i i don't like yeah well it's a fantastic soundtrack and and this track is possibly my favorite from the entire soundtrack all right so that's what we'll go out with shop theme uh martin iveson sega cd jaguar xj 220 or 220 depending on how you're supposed to pronounce it yes well listen listeners thank you for joining us uh, being with us on the journey that is season two and 2022 we hope you enjoyed it we hope you enjoyed it even better than 20 or season one and we hope you'll be with us next year for season three and like it even better yet uh hugh why don't you do us the honor of taking us out all right uh thanks for listening
We are allegedly recording. Check. Hello. Are we continuing to perform on the mic right now? Very loud. (laughs) Uh, Today has just been a total train wreck as far as tech has gone for me today, all across the board. Okay, I'm going to check check my mic levels here. Test, test, test. I am recording on Audacity and on the beat. And there's allegedly an English transcription being created. Okay. Yes. I can't wait to see what that looks like. It it will be something, especially yeah, if if we do some if we include any composer names. That'll be good. I could complain about um, how how cold it is in French or something, and see what it picks up. All right, okay. um, let's go. I got I got like a hundred things to do today, man. Yeah, I know. We we're gonna yeah. we're kind of racing the clock now because you know I had to get the the kids, the wife and the kids out of the house too. Yeah, and so the longer I leave them marooned, the yeah. Well, let's just let let's just rock, man. So, which which copy of the notes am I doing here? The lower half? No, the upper half. Workspace for Sunday recording. Yeah, there's like two halves. Oh well, there's yeah, it's it's two passes. Oh okay. Yeah, so oh, those are actually. I see now. Oops. Okay, wait a second. Yeah, every everything the above the. I'm sorry. Uh, everything above the triple dash is us. Okay. Okay. Gosh, this mic is so. Okay, I think I got. It. I'm gonna. I'm gonna talk boisterously for a second to make sure I don't blow the mic out. Okay. That's still a little. That's still so, a little loud. Okay, because I imagine I'll get boisterous sometime during the recording. <clears throat> yeah, I don't. Don't worry about it. Okay. All right. Okay. So. Okay. Um, let me look at the. You know what? I'm gonna look at the calendar real quick. December. December fourteenth, Wednesday. December fourteenth. That sounds like a good day. Okay. All right. And I think I'm the one that brings this. Yes, I am the one that brings this in. Yeah, okay, I'm not so, good at intros, so all, all the better. Well, I'm just going to do the you are tuned to. Okay. All right. Three, two, one. Thank you for joining us, dear listeners. This is Nerd Noise Radio Channel 2, Nerd Noise Game Club. Today's broadcast is way back. Is us. You know, if we this this could have been great. Maybe it still will be great. We're gonna find out. We'll figure it out. Um, okay, <laughs> okay. All right. So, all right. Three, two, one. All right. Uh, three, two, one. And just bring us in whenever. Okay. Uh, so I have so many tabs open. I'm keeping Audacity open so I don't accidentally click stop on it. All right. Quad Machine from Quake 2, Sonic Mayhem, which also would be a good name for the song itself. Have I ever played this game? I don't think I've ever played this. 
You need to. Okay, let's count it back. All right, three, two, one. I'll bring us in a second. I think compared to nor- compared to usual, we're being comparatively well disciplined this episode. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So I'm bringing this in. All right, and that is the burning sands from Final Fantasy X. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's roll that beautiful bean footage. All right. Three, two, one. I'm almost certainly going to edit that out of the episode. <laughs> you okay? You, please do. <laughs> Okay, wonderful. Well, let's uh, let's check it out. All right, three, two, one. You you can cut as much of that as you want. I'll the, probably leave it all. I mean, unless there's something that you, open source well, license. I don't. If people are interested, I mean, I can explain the details of the what's bad about the Mastodon license. Um, any. Anything that you say I want you to remove, I'll remove. Okay. Otherwise, I'll probably I just leave it all in. There. I didn't say anything controversial. All right, Melee Island. All right. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and stop the recording. Okay. So why? Give me a second. Make sure this. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Good afternoon, everyone. St. John here. I apologize for the terrible mic recording. I'm using the laptop's internal microphone. I also have family moving around all over the house around me, so you're going to hear some of that. I also apologize for this being completely unscripted. So, you know, do not expect the usual smooth channel one delivery. Since we had to do this episode in such a hurry, uh, we, there were a lot of you know, we were kind of thinking in fast forward, and so there were a lot of updates that got left out by mistake. Uh, you know, just just one example: the the uh, Sega CD episode, the final production of that, actually did happen on the Steam Deck. Uh, so that that's very special. And then a number of other updates that I'm going to actually not deliver right now because I don't want to I don't want to put too much cruft at the back of this episode with such poor sound quality. So. At the end of C1E70A, I think it'll be A, it might be B, but I think it's A, uh, the best of 2022 St. John's picks on Channel 1. In the outro, after the track lists, uh, or pr- the track list is provided, I will go ahead and uh, make sure to provide all the updates that were missing in this recording, because it turns out there are quite a few. So if you're interested, you'll find it there. I hope you will check it out. I hope you will enjoy and we will be back in February with C2E11, which is going to be a space-themed episode. So, hope you enjoy. We'll see you then, wherever you are. One, two, three.